Hello, and welcome. Oh, you lost. This came a lot earlier than it has ever had for us, so you know what, y'all? It's uh, it's uh, beer and podcast time. So we're here to talk down what the hell happened against TCU, to look forward against Iowa State, and to just kind of pick up the pieces as we move forward, because let's be honest. Me and Jameson and Ty have been doing this for three years. Every year that there's at least one loss. This one seems particularly more better than the previous ones, but everything is still technically ahead of OU. You know, this isn't over. That being said, if this team takes the field against Iowa State on, on Saturday, if the second half team takes the field against Iowa State on Saturday, probably going to get beat. But that's for – later on the podcast. So let's just break down what the hell happened Saturday because in general, this game went from uh, my halftime prognosis being, look, sloppy game. OU performed pretty poorly, made a lot of mistakes, but in general, you know, Hey, you know, they'll clean it up. It'll be fine to good Lord. The uh, wheels fell off the wagon. This is a disaster. So let's, let's break down what went wrong. We asked some of y'all what the problems are. Uh, a lot of doom and gloom, folks. A lot of doom and gloom. Um, a lot of people asked, is OU dead? Is OU gone? Is, uh, Chris Dorr asked, is the OU era over? Um, uh, Max Meyer asked, is OU dead? So things are, are, are pretty tough right now in um, Sooner Nation. But in general, I feel like one of the biggest questions was Spencer Rattler. A lot of people talking about him. And... I'm not sure if he's the issue, and I don't think he is, actually. So let's just dispel that out of the way, because I I feel like Jameson actually had a tweet uh, during the game where he defended Rattler, Um, but I feel like everyone kind of is on the same boat. This isn't all Rattler. So either way, uh, Jameson, let us know. So do you still feel the same uh, defense for uh, Spencer as you did, you know, midway through the game on Saturday or – you know, was that second half just too much to bear? I mean, we said it in the preseason. We said that this is a true, I mean, a redshirt freshman coming into his first starting um, opportunity in college, um, first time playing, and he's going to make mistakes. He's a gunslinger. He's going to take a lot of risks, and um, we're going to get interceptions, and that's something that we should not be surprised about. Now, three interceptions, that's, that's a little stiff. That's, that's tough. Um, and we didn't have the room for that in the second half, and it completely shifted all of the momentum. Um, could we afford a, an interception or two um, with Spencer? Yeah, but we also had other rookie mistakes with Seth McGowan and then um, a miserable pump block and then a miss on fourth down. It's, no team is going to win whenever you're minus five to six in the turnover margin. There's no shot there, no shot at all. Absolutely. Ty, what do you think? Yeah, I don't um, – to, to echo Jameson's statement, this is only his second start, and he's not, you know, like the previous guys we've had. He doesn't have playing experience anywhere else but high school. So I'm not uh, – you know, obviously his his play wasn't good, but I don't think that he's the issue, and I don't think he's why we lost because – none of his interceptions were returned for a touchdown. So, you know, he wasn't the one getting scored on. Um, so. Absolutely. I know the defense bears a lot of this issue. However, let's, I mean, let's, 
you see the three picks and you're immediately alarmed. Let's look at them a little bit. So pick one, tipped at the line, not his fault. That just kind of happens. Pick two, honestly, one of the worst throws I've seen an OU quarterback make in years. Just kind of chucked that up towards Mims, you know, double coverage, a bit sloppy. I'm not a fan of that. think until you see the third one. Sure. (laughs) And then he beats his own record. uh, I'll say this. Look, Lincoln Riley actually said this in his uh, coach's show that, you know, that is just a poor – that's just a poor decision. You can completely, um, you know, control that. That's just whatever. And three, yeah, look, horrible throw, completely, you know, underthrows Drake Stoops. But, look, let's be honest. At that point, you're putting a freshman quarterback, you know – on the field to try to make a uh, game-winning drive in 43 seconds. The, the 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 cat was out of the bag. Things were already horrible at that point. If you're asking any sort of redshirt freshman quarterback to make that type of drive, you're already very screwed. You're already going up, you know, shit peep creek without a cap, uh, paddle here. So I, I think we need to lay off Spencer. Yeah, look, no excuses. When you're the quarterback of Oklahoma, you need to win. That's how the this that's how this game is. But we can explain what happened. Redshirt yeah, freshman, yeah. dumb throws happen, but he needs to just avoid unnecessary risks. And OU, on the other hand, needs to put him um, in positions where he, you know, doesn't have to make, you know, uh, tough throws like that. And as he grows up as a quarterback, as he gets better, uh, hopefully he gains that composure to complete those easy clutch passes like that third uh, interception because, frankly, that's a first down for, honestly, any quarterback other than, let's just say, Cody Tom, uh, Thomas a couple of years Jaylen ago. Hurt. Even Jalen can yeah. do that. Like, <laughs> it was right there. It was right there. But, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's, you know, everyone gets super excited. Like, we, we do this preseason thing where we're like, all right, everybody, like, Let's have realistic expectations here. Everyone is brand new. You know, we have this whole extenuating circumstances going on. And then we go out there and get a shutout to start the first game against a, a basically a high school team. And then everyone's like, all right, we're, we're winning the natty. And then we go out here and, and disappoint, but we gotta, we gotta temper our expectations. You know, like we always say, it's, it's kind of a mulligan of a season already with everything that's going on and, and the uncertainty and you have to remember, I don't think anyone ever thought or expected that this was going to be a significant year. I think everyone thought we're very new. There's going to be some issues. You know, if anything, hopefully this is a better learning opportunity than a win would be. So, you know, wins don't really, you know, have the same weight in your brain as a loss as, as a player. So hopefully – you know, this really cements that some lessons need to be learned and I'll take a loss this year against anyone. If it leads to valuable lessons that help us win, you know, in the coming years. The issue I have is this loss, the way it happened was so preventable. And oh yeah. It, it just, no, I'm, yeah. I'm still talking like, I'm still talking like Rattler, like people yeah. like Alex Grinch who should be fired. We're past that point. Yeah, well, here's here's the main deal with it. Spencer, he is the reason, main reason that we lost. 
But should he take the blame? No, he should not take the blame because other people on this team should have bailed out the young freshman, redshirt freshman's mistakes that he made. The defense didn't come up one time after that turnover to stop them and not allow them to score points after the turnover. The offensive line, the team, the guy, the guys on the team that should bail out everybody the most on this team, the veterans, played another horrible game. Another horrible game. Even after Swinson got benched after the first two series and they brought in Anton Harrison, uh, still, like, the guards, absolutely embarrassment on there. And with their holding calls and getting pressure and collapsing the pocket on Spencer Rattler, he had nowhere to help him, no one to bail him out at all. But he is the reason we lost. I need to make sure we say that because there's a clear distinction between reason and blame. Uh, absolutely. And I think that's a perfect segue into what I really want to talk about. I I know some people, <clears throat> Gay Bickard, are trying to defend the O-line, you know, saying it's not all their fault. But look, that was an offensive line that was unconditioned and undisciplined. So many drives were just stopped dead in their tracks by dumb penalties, either a legal man downfield or, um, you know, uh, several crucial holding calls. I believe um, – the last drive we had before, you know, the one where we had to punt and a lot of people were mad about that, uh, that was wiped out. Or we had a Spencer Rattler scramble you know, for a first down that was wiped out by a hold. It just you, – you, when – OU just can't have an offensive line be that undisciplined. It's something I haven't seen in years out of a beaten bow line. Um, and it absolutely, to me, was the biggest, most glaring flaw because I'm just going to ask it. How do you work? How do you fix that between now and next weekend? Because the guys were notably gassed, you know, entering the second half. Penny, thank you for appearing back on the screen. I needed you. Yeah, there. sorry, I got a hold. No, 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 no. She's like she's, she's she brings good energy to the podcast. <laughs> but the, the the fact of the matter is, you know, I sure you can say COVID. I know they had a huge issue with that, but in general, they were unconditioned, undisciplined. James or Ty, tell me where do you go from that? Where do you go from here I, to recover for next week? Because there's no bye week. We're yeah, ready. We're in games. One of the things that I saw, I there is that, like you said, sort of looking gassed and, and maybe some some fitness issues there. But one of the things that I saw, and and I was thinking this when we were up, uh, you know, by a couple of touchdowns and early in the the first, um you know, half of the game, I was sitting there thinking, this looks like the OU team that you always see like three quarters of the way through the season that loses to a random team because we just don't care. Like it, it offense and defense, even when things were working, even when we were getting three and outs and putting together scoring drives, it looked like we were already on autopilot zoned out. We're going to win. We're going to win the big 12. We don't care. No matter what we do, it's going to work out. We're going to win big. That is what they look like to me. Um, and I, you know, if you're an OU fan, I think that's familiar because we saw this, you know, last season when we lost to K State, and we always see that one game that OU should win and that they just seem to not care about, and the other team gives it their all and, and upsets us. That's that's what I saw. I didn't, you know, there's some, yeah, I'm sure COVID is has played a role in some stuff, but we just need, we need to care. Well, and the thing that frustrates me and really worries me is this is a trend now. Look, we can flat out say it. 
this happens not just – you think about the notable losses. You think about Iowa State. You think about Georgia. But you cannot forget the moments where this happened in games we won. I, uh, I, I think Georgia – Hear me I, out. Hear, hear me I, out. Hear yeah. me out. I'm talking – in Georgia, of course, that's a good team. But still, you get a big lead and you coast. The offensive strategy is rough. This is something we did against Iowa State last year. Big lead, gave it up. We're able to scrounge it together. Did the same thing against TCU. And the, the thing that gets me is hearing that Alex Grinch was telling these guys at halftime to just hang on for dear life, that these performances that we saw last year that drove us off the wall are something they need to strive for. That is the warning, like huge warning side to me that this is an issue we've seen and they're aiming for it. And I just don't well, get it. It's a cultural, it's a cultural issue. And that's like, that's, I, I know I say it as like a, a gooner take and stuff. But at this point, I don't, I don't believe in Alex Grinch because it's not a schematic thing. It's what can you get out of these players, and I'm just not seeing it. Jameson, what's your take? I know Jameson's going to disagree there, but like here's one more. I don't fully blame, and I I don't fully blame Grinch, but Jameson, I want to hear what you have to say on this. They play a great game if it wasn't for getting put in bad positions by turnovers. You know, like. They were making stops. They were being solid. But whenever whenever turnovers happen, it completely shifts the momentum. And, yeah, now they're put into a position where they have to bail out the offense. That shouldn't happen in Oklahoma's system at all. The OU offense should be bailing out our defense. And and if you think we've got the recruits and and the high-level guys, we decently recruit, but we're not SEC recruiting. We we got – so DeLaron Turner-Yell and Patrick Fields, they're like the stars of this defense. They're three stars out of high school, you know. Like we're still not some superstar defense. Our offense should be bailing us out. And if our offense is putting the defense on this other side of the 50 because of turnovers and our special team doing the same thing, you can't expect much. Here's my thing. I've been thinking about it. Um, Grinch keeps on emphasizing turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. And it seems like it's never happening. Are teams like saying like, okay, they're going to go so hard for turnovers. We're just going to try to chip at them over and over and like, like not let them get their turnovers. And if they don't get turnovers, they don't have the momentum to keep it up the whole game. I don't know. Obviously a team is going to not want to turn the ball over, but will teams be more conservative in the way that they throw the ball versus us because they don't want to get a pick and change the momentum of the game. I think overly hyping turnovers over and over and over and when it completely fails over and over and over is not good culture for the defense. So I'll give you that. No, I I agree. But uh, Jameson, I I really disagree with the – you know, the turnovers on the offensive side being blamed for, you know, the defensive performance. Cause look at Kansas state scoring. Like they had a 70, 70 yard touchdown pass, a 78 yard touchdown pass. Like those, that's not the defense putting them in a bad position. Like when you get the ball and you're on your own 30, like you're not in a bad position at all. You should not like that is in no one's fault but the defense. Yeah, but you got to think about you got to think about momentum too, and you got to think about conditioning of what guys you have out there. We're playing third string linebackers and cornerbacks because we're having such a quick turnaround because we're a fast paced offense. We have zero run game behind this offensive line, which has been absolutely embarrassing. Our running backs have shown why they're young and never played a good snap in college at all, and we have nowhere to control the offense where it's just defense 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 and then you got guys like brian mead playing out there on the linebacker stuff and that shouldn't be happening that shouldn't be happening absolutely look there are a lot of qualms and we'll break them down individually here and i i think the thing that jameson 
really brought up is that the offense needs to stop putting the defense in positions where, you know, they have to, they, they have to make up that momentum because when, because here's the thing, there were just way too many mistakes on offense and that, that adds up, you know, you might be able to survive, you know, two or three dumb calls might be able to survive, you know, a really bad shuck up to uh, a guy, but when it, when it gets to the point where, you know, you're having turnovers on downs because you have bobbled a snap or, um, you know, that really unfortunate McGowan fumble, you know, right after that uh, Kansas State touchdown bomb. It just it, – it, it's a combination of both. The offense yeah. – the, the thing is the offense did its job to get the t- to get OU in a position where they should win and they should take care of things. The problem is the, you, you can't have the offense make all the mistakes in the world while the defense gives up, you know – just bleeding massive plays. And well, you, had, you had simultaneous failures on both sides, catastrophically, for sure. Yeah, and it's it, it led into another. So Kansas State got their momentum back because they they shifted an offensive system where they went you know empty backfield with Skylar Thompson back there. The defense didn't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, you know, the first touchdown, Trey Brown. Everyone played way too tight. Brown just got bowled over by a bigger receiver. Second one, that uh, deuce, whatever his name is, you know. Um, I mean, Pat Fields just kind of froze up there. Awesome and uh, Oguebu, bad missed tackles there. And then you have uh, another 78-yard pass, another empty backfield, you know, left Brian Mead out here. What is – what? what's going on here? I just – it's very frustrating well, to and see. That's, yeah, and and I don't want to – you know, I'll, I'll let – you guys take the last word here, but when you see that and when you see, you know, sorry, them doing the essentially the same thing or they're exploiting the same thing multiple times in a row and it's that empty backfield scheme, I just, who do you blame for that? And, and to me, there's one person to blame for that and it's not the players that are on the field. And it's not the offense. And it's not Lincoln Riley. Well, I, I certainly think positioning is bad. You know, the positioning was questionable because um, I don't – I mean, look, how can you blame Brian Mead out there? The poor guy looked looked clueless. It looked like me trying to guard a guy out there. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it was bad. But and the, and the people did the film on that. They said that Mead was doing what he was supposed to do, playing like a cover three, and the high man, the safety or the corner, was supposed to pick up the guy, and he didn't. So it made Mead look really bad. But here's the deal. Meade made a lot of bad plays this year. made a lot of bad plays last year. The dude should not be playing. We should be playing our young freshmen or young up-and-coming guys like Shane Witter, um, more David Uguaybu. You know, it, there's no excuse of why anyone should be playing a, a walk-on senior at all right now. It doesn't do anything positive moving forward. And if you're telling me there's a clear gap between Meade and Witter, it is, that, that's an embarrassment. There is not. There's definitely not. You definitely should be playing the younger guys that have more upside and can become something for your future um, rather than a guy we already know is just going to be low-end, average on his best day. Uh, exactly. And, you know, like, look, the defense, very frustrating. But, like, that, the, the offense has to ex- execute. You know, we can't you, – you can't rely on your defense to handle these sort of things. Let's, let's look at the first drive of the first, fourth quarter. Holding on the kick return. So you start on the OU 10. Then you have a false start on a third and 10. Holding after a big play to 47. Then OU punts and it's blocked. Kansas State 
completely in control of the game. You just you you can't you can't have those mistakes. That those are three mistakes that derail drives, and that's why it makes me so upset when people are blaming Spencer Rattler, who is making plays and they're getting reversed. This is not this is not on the playmaking side of the offense. This is on the offensive line for getting gassed. This is on it, it was just a perfect storm of your unreliable defense, which we all knew wasn't ready yet. Uh, which we all knew had another year left. And just an offensive line who we thought was going to be great. They were yeah. flat out wasn't. Yeah, I mean I guess I guess the more we discuss it, that is probably the the O line, as much as you hate to say it, is probably the the one that you could be most disappointed in because they were the ones who we didn't expect this from at all. They were supposed to be the constants regardless. You know, we knew that Rattler had a lot to learn still. Uh, and we knew that the defense wasn't going to be, you know, super tremendous. I, I think they have definitely disappointed. But the O-line was supposed to be the rock solid no matter what. They're going to be, at a minimum, not making terrible mistakes. And, and I know we're just kind of going back between shitting on the defense and the O line, but like, here's the thing. Speed defense works when you're fast enough to hit a guy, you know, in a single backfield. It works when you're strong enough to break through, provide some pressure and create turnovers. They were none of those things. Skylar Thompson had way too much time. Uh, These, these plays had way too much time to process in general. You can't leave these guys back here trying to, you know, let these let these plays develop. There, sh- there should be no way some of these guys were as wide open as they were because, frankly, if you're going to go with that strategy, they need to be hit or else you're screwed. And the strategy just didn't work. That's just not you. You 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 have to physically outwill your performant or your uh, opponent to execute speed D, and it just wasn't there. There's was yeah. no havoc necessary. Um, at least at least when they started going empty back. Um, you definitely lost something. <sighs> oh man. Yeah. This like is, how this many is... times did you say like, wow, what a play from Skylar Thompson, what a play from K-State. It was more like, what are y'all doing? Blown assignment. What is OU's defense doing? We, we killed ourselves. Simple as that on defense. There's blown assignments. There was wide open receivers. There was missed tackles. It was no like wow plays from K-State that they were outplaying us. We were just giving it to them. And here's the thing. We're like, where are the adjustments? Like Oklahoma was great on Kansas state to start that game. They were, mm-hmm. they were, they were disruptive. Kansas state wasn't moving the ball down the field. A couple mistakes opened it up for them. But when they started going empty back, when they started throwing the ball around and getting wide open guys, where are the adjustments? And I, I will give Grinch the benefit of the doubt here. When it would be time to make the adjustments, what the hell was that? It's not me. Did you hear Ashley laughing? Oh, uh, that must have been Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I thought that was something else. Um, anyway. I, yeah, I thought it was somebody's TV. But... That, that definitely sounded like something else. Um, but when, when – when I... We'll cut that part. That's okay. We'll, okay, we'll start, um, we'll start wrapping this up because I'm sure everyone has just heard a bunch of – angry people, you know, bitch and moan about OU against Kansas State. This is probably the last one you'll hear about it. But 
the thing is, once Grinch got in the position where he was, you know, having to make those adjustments, Kansas State was getting in short field situations where they're running that power eye, you know, really running it down Oklahoma's throat. So maybe you give him the benefit of the doubt there. The problem is there's not one person, there's not one group to blame. It's mistakes. It, it just everything fell off the wheel at the same time. The defense, I, I just, I'm upset. That's all I'm going to say. Jamison, what do you have to say? Yeah, you're exactly right. That's If we want to move on forward and have a, a more solid football team, it lies within our offensive line, and it lies within our run game, establishing a run game to take off the pressure of Spencer Rattler, who obviously showed that he has a lot of bright moments and he can make a lot of great plays, but still is very, very – he's an amateur still. He still has a lot to learn. And um, we cannot have a one-dimensional offense whenever our team completely relies on the offense to have all momentum moving forward in this game. So offensive line, you're the veterans. You're the juniors and seniors, all of you across the offensive line. You've got to step up and actually play. And we know that you're good because a lot of y'all played pretty damn well last year. So let's see it again this year. Uh, TJ Pudger, absolutely a disappointment uh, today. Or last weekend, that was – frustrating McGowan showed up he did all right but it just I don't I don't know how much you blame that on the running backs I don't know how much you blame that on the O-line there but yes it just, yes it, is it, the it, answer and look look you got to give Kansas State credit that defense looked a lot sharper than I thought they would be um our 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 position group to watch for the game last week I said it was the uh, trenches and you know that was the case um obviously didn't go the way I predicted but you know, that's where that game, you know, really made it difficult. That 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 is where the game was really difficult on the Oklahoma offense was in the trenches. So let's move on. How do we make things better for Iowa State? How do we move on, uh, particularly in the offensive line, where I don't know how you improve your conditioning within a week? Jameson, how – what is what is the big key for you moving forward in terms of how, how we get – how we go and get back on the winning side against uh, Iowa State names? What are you looking forward to being the big piece to a victory on Saturday? Yeah, I think we just got to play our game and just not make mistakes. Um, we're going to have some, but we're just going to try to limit them. And the, the, like I said earlier, the leaders on this team, the upperclassmen, have got to play like they're upperclassmen. Um, they've got to hold up to whenever our younger guys, we have so many young playmakers on this team that are destined to make mistakes. Seth McGowan fumble, Spencer Rattler interception. Um, they've got to hold it up. They've got that's it's as simple as that. We are a talented team. We're a very good team. We are very, very much better than um, Vegas is putting us for Iowa State. Um, but are our players that are supposed to be good and be our backbone going to be our backbone this season? We're going to see what happens this coming um, weekend. I would absolutely love to see more Austin Stogner as well. I thought he was a bright spot um, on Saturday. I. I I felt like there were a couple times I, I wanted to see more of him. I think that's my thing is he, he would, when Rattler was finding him, he was in good positions. He was strong. He was great. Loved Marvin Mims as well. Drake Stoops, solid performance in his first, you know, major minutes. Um, but, you know, I, I, I need to see more of them. Um, but Ty, what do you want to see out of OU against Iowa state on Saturday? Yeah. I mean, I, this might sound like a cold take, but I, it's with the the amount of stuff and the timing of things that went wrong last week on offense, defense, and special teams. 
I almost think that we could just change nothing and just by a matter of chance and, and likeliness we'll be fine through the rest of the season because, you know, just probability speaking that, you know, that perfect storm is not that likely, um, you know, just based off how we've seen this team perform outside of the second half of that game. Uh, but it's, it's the little things. It's just not making mistakes. I think that if just one of those key areas that we've touched on in, you know, the, the first, you know, 25 minutes of this podcast, if just one of those areas was fine, even with the others being jacked up, we would have won this game and we can probably win every game, but Texas, at least, you know, on our, our schedule looking forward, um, right now at least the close games so yeah i I would i would like for it to be the o-line you know just not making mistakes just penalties cut down on penalties and and give him a little more time to to uh make decisions if uh, if really if oh you made half of the mistakes i don't even like saying mistakes with some of these like that you know that that first rattler interception and the uh, mcgowan fumble you know, that that just happens, you know. The, the yeah, way... that, that's what I was talking about with chance, like stuff like that. No, for sure. Like I feel like there were a lot of weird chancy things, and I'm not saying yeah, can, the can't say, on, like, like can't look. That was definitely bad special teams, though, because they had three guys blocking one guy, nobody on the outsides. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. But... Not caught. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but it. I, I felt like you know, Kent State had the grit and determination to keep in that game. That is a team you just can't can't let hang around with with big plays and mistakes the thing is we had both of them you like you said you could survive with honestly even half of the mistakes if you have the mistakes or half of the turnovers we had i think we still win that ball game but um it's just tough to do it's tough to win any game when you have both even tougher when you have a disciplined side like chris Kleiman uh and his kansas state team um this is all because i just i named him wrong a couple weeks ago that's all my fault yeah, and, and you know my my last thought is you know you, you have to give them credit like they they were down and didn't give up so that's that's something that you have to recognize for sure yeah i gotta say probably i, I gotta give the biggest uh props to El, uh deuce vaughn uh mainly for realizing that I, through hard work and determination i too could have been a very solid player but uh, I just blamed it on my height and whiteness. And here we go. That, Bobby, that, what's your 40 time? What's your 40 time? Right now? <laughs> oh, what do you God. think? <laughs> well, look, at my most athletic, I ran like a five flat. So that's let's, pretty let's, let's Let's have a, a GoFundMe or something, a fund of what's going to get Bobby to run a recorded 40 time. Wait, did you say you can run a five flat? No, I, at my most athletic, I could. I'm clearly not at my most athletic. Oh, okay. No. This is I, I expect like a Darren Ravel Bobby Forty time. <laughs> not okay, so, like that bad. Not that bad. I'm just saying like so a couple, Bobby, a couple of, wait, actually we, actually what's that? Can we do one in the empty fairgrounds in a couple weeks? <laughs> Why the fairgrounds? Well, because it'll be mostly empty. We can go out by by big techs. And just, oh, the Texas State Fair. Yeah. Yeah, that. yeah. Walk yeah, it out. Okay, we'll okay. Walk out. It'll be mostly empty. And uh, we'll just get a 40 time for you instead of the fair. Okay, so the last 40 I ran was um, right after Orlando Brown ran that four, just horrible 40 at the draft. And I made a bet with a, with a 
friend of the podcast, Andrew, uh, that I could beat it. And I actually narrowly beat him out, which is that's not an accomplishment, but I, at least I. <laughs> what was that? Like five? What, what, what was it? What was related Rats 40? Uh, I feel like if you just didn't stop, like during it, you were good and you beat him. Five, five, eight, five. Yeah, like that's not a great forty, but also I was in like, I was in like loafers or something stupid. So like, I don't know. I'm proud of myself. For that. So let's look at let's look at Iowa State a little bit. I I don't know how to feel about him. I I will say this: Brock Purdy's overrated. He's not the guy I'm worried about here. I'm worried about Brees Hall, this running back of theirs. This kid's good. Uh, 100, 155 yards last weekend, three touchdowns. Look, if we let if we if we had Deuce Vaughn show up against us, like like looking like Barry Sanders, this guy's looking like uh you know purple Jesus Adrian Peterson. I'm talking MVP Adrian Peterson against us. So I'm worried about it. Hits holes hard, top notch athleticism. Isn't really big in terms of uh, you know receiving the ball out of the backfield. Only one reception, but I'm afraid of him. So, what are y'all looking for out of the Cyclones entering uh, this weekend? Uh, things to, things for the listeners to uh, watch out for. Yeah, let me hop in on Brees Hall. This was a guy we even thought about bringing in um, as OU. We were looking at him. Um, he's a four-star guy, and um, he went to the same high school as Marcus Hicks. Um, in that 2018 class, we thought about it. We definitely did, but um, we could probably would rather have Marcus Major. Um, it's probably what it came down to. And you kind of want to take the the Oklahoma Millwood kid. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what Ty thinks about that now. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that was he a pretty three, guess. Yeah, yeah, he, I'm he off had, that train. Dude, he had three touchdowns last week, and he had the what the really long run for 70 plus. I mean. He, he's a player, you know, and um, he's something to be concerned about. And, you know, Brock Purdy is going to be solid. You know, he, he's, he might throw an interception. He's not going to do anything too crazy to beat you, but he's going to make a play here and there. You know, that Iowa State is just an average team across the board. You know, there is nothing that glares out that I'm really nervous about. There's no big-time player. Brees Hall's good, but it's not like there's some guy we're really nervous about. Um and even even though Skylar Thompson not that good, we were like saying Skylar Thompson is the guy. You know, Iowa State really doesn't have like the guy. You know, um, so that moving on, it's it's us versus them. And if we gotta we gotta play, we gotta do our job. And if we do our job, we'll be fine. I'm not worried about Iowa State's players. I'm worried about us. And, and quick note before we move on to Ty's take: um, Iowa State had offensive touchdowns of 75 yards, 49 yards, 32, and then set the other one up with a 44-yard pass. The other touchdown was set up by a fumble. So that that is a team that thrived against TCU on big plays, but made a lot of mistakes of their own. Uh, I, one of the dumbest um, – I got to say, one of the dumbest fumbles I've ever seen by Bernie threw it behind himself, uh, scoop and score by TCU. But Ty, what, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, so my, my thing is – and it's going to – I promise I'm not going to backtrack, but it kind of ties into the stuff I was saying. Um, a second ago with, with K-State, it's no disrespect to Iowa State, but they're kind of like the bots on, like, a video game. Like, they're they're not designed to beat you. Like, they're not going to beat us if we just do most things correctly. That's all we – all we have to do is just get most of it okay, and we should be good. 
it's they're going to be a, a good team across the board. They're not going to have a ton of huge mistakes. They're not going to have, you know, a terrible scheme, but they're not going to be great. And they're not going to win against us in an open, you know, an open field game. If we can just deal with ourselves and, and cut down on the mistakes that we can prevent on our side, I don't think that OU really has to worry about Iowa State. Just moderately execute player game. I like that. Yeah, just just you know fundamentals. That's individual fundamentals is is all it is. Regardless of because you know I would make the argument that regardless of the of the schemes, as long as there's not anything super significant, just the average level of athlete on each team should carry the day for us. If you know all of the factors being equal. Absolutely. So I think that's pretty much it. If you want our prediction for it, wait a couple days. We have our pick em pod. So check that out for uh, our spread prediction on OU and Iowa State. So um, that's all we have for covering stuff. However, Jameson, I believe you mentioned there might be a tiny Cretan corner. Do you have anything to lighten our spirits a bit? Oh, absolutely. Good? Play it. Play it. Anything good? <laughs> David, yes. what is this, David? This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, once again, during the season, there's not much going on. We did see on Sunday that Jalil Farouk did commit to OU as is expected. And Caleb Williams came out saying, like, yeah, this is, this is going to be my roommate. This is a guy that I grew up playing um, football with. And... I'm really, really excited to see him coming in. So another good East Coast guy um, walked in feeling good about that. Here's what the biggest story is. So 21 hours ago, so that would be on Monday, uh, Caleb Williams replied to a tweet from another recruit. It has nothing to do. He's not recruiting him. And he said, the college, the huge quote tweeted and said, uh, the guy said, college is readily around the corner. Crazy. And then Caleb Williams says, feels like it's going to be tomorrow type of close. There's a lot of people chirping out there um, that looks like the Williams have already, uh, they've already kind of closed on a house in Norman and looks like they're going to move here pretty soon and just finish off his school online um, from Gonzaga rather than, what's so funny? I have no idea what's so funny. That seems like, seem like that super like concrete. Ultimate, that seems like ultimate like recruiting tea, tea leaves right there. Well, like I, 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 there's legitimacy and there's certain posts on on other donor boards that say it, and everyone pretty much is saying it. there's no like confirmed because you don't want to push it too far because these people are going through housing negotiations. But what it seems like Wouldn't is Caleb Williams to some extent. All these donors checking the boards, Paul. They they haven't closed yet, but they're about to, from what it says. And I think I think that, that he's moving to Norman, and he's not going to wait um, until next year. You know, he's going to live in Norman in the time being, and that's and that's big for recruiting because you know how many people he can bring in and um, take them around campus if he's already living here. You know, like like he, he can really help people get in more. He won't have to pay pay for his plane ticket, and like his family did with bringing in Tristan Lee and helping them pay for their plane ticket to come in. He can bring in a guy like Emeka Ibuka out of, out of Washington, the number one wide receiver in the nation that he really, really wants. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, and also I guess another thing, if you really want to pull some, some crazy gooner takes, Tristan Leaves, um, he, uh, posted a picture on Twitter about the, the lettuce play movement out in Virginia. He threw the horns down in it. So what y'all want to think about that? So, um, but that's about it. Caleb Williams and Norman, nothing about just him being there. Think about how many options is going to take for, we can't have in-person visits all. And we've got our number one recruiter in this class. I say recruiter, not recruit already in Norman, ready to take people on visits. And it's going to be extremely easy for him to do it now. Absolutely. Well, is that all you got? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what to say. I, I didn't know what to, you, you, have to, you have to say something. I didn't know how to transition out of that game. Like, well. <laughs> the onus is on you. That's your section. Wait, we need to cut that. We need to cut that into a soundbite. Use it as a transition. Well, well, is that all you got? Why did I use the accent? It makes no sense. I, 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 I use you for transitions, Bobby. Eh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, I, I didn't know. You just kind of like, I don't know. Either way, I gotta, I gotta host should, better. Didn't oh, you say play that's not all I have here? Yeah, I didn't know if Jameson was done talking for a little bit. But anyway, anyways, let's just wrap this thing up. You've been hearing us. You've been hearing us complain for quite a while. I don't know. Look, this has been tough. So um, we're going to be back in a couple days. Make our picks. So, um, anyways, anything I want to say before we head out? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No. no we're done. <laughs> We're done. Well, here. <laughs> all right. So for, for me, Ty and Jameson, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you coming soon, making our picks, and throughout the rest of the season, even if we're garbage. To be fair, all, it depends on how garbage we are. Ty might just leave. I could see Ty just being like, "Yeah, this is the trash team. I retire." We'll see. But I'm gonna anyway. red shirt. I'm still red shirt this season on the pod. Yeah. Uh. E- either way, you know, um, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Boomer Sooner. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free. That's great. But there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive. Uh, And then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that Anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. How about us not mentioning the Black Stripes? I'm proud of us. Oh, no man, I, I, did not, I did not want to get into that. I it's thought not, about it so it's much. Not I, didn't either. Either. I didn't either. It is not a Gooner take to say that the helmets are bad when we couldn't bother to size them correctly and they wouldn't stay on anyone. That's a good point. There That's were issues point. with the helmets. The helmets were objectively bad. Because they didn't do because they, they fell off. off. Yeah. Well, yeah. But it's like, okay, like when they get pulled off is one thing, but like I forget who it was, but like somebody like fell over, didn't even bump his head, and the thing went flying off.